0: (laughs) You know, the things God's going to do with this young generation is, is amazing. I am amazed at these young people. I'm telling you, they stepped up in this church and have completely taken it up. Every one of these young people that have stepped into positions in this church are doing beyond me. I mean, they're I mean, I'm, I'm asking them, what do we do? You guys are awesome. Get your Bibles out and go to Book of Mark and turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? ready. Mark 11, the scripture Kenneth Hagin put in the Bible. And I got to warn you, I normally only have a half of an index card, and today I have four sheets of paper. Not really, I had to write some stuff down that I couldn't possibly remember. Mark 11, 24, and I want you to pop it on the screen in the King James, please. I know that King James. I want to read this, let's go. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you what? Desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Let's start off by making a statement. We did this last week, and let's kick it off. The church in America today has poo-pooed desire. Christians are afraid to desire. They're afraid they'll become covetous. They're afraid they'll get out of the will of God. We've, we've, we've preached that we've got, to, we've got to whatever God wants, whatever you want, God, so much so that almost like a Hindu, we're sitting around trying to find nirvana. Nirvana is to desire desireless. You can never desire desireless because desireless to desire, it means that you never get there. But imagine you live in India, one of the greatest, wealthiest nations on the earth, and you're poor. Why? Because their religious beliefs. Yes. Religious beliefs in America have kept you poor. Right. Yes. Amen. When we look, we look at this scripture, Jesus is talking to you. Amen. He says this to you: Whatever not I desire, whatever you desire. And he left it wide open. He made the earth and the fullness thereof for you. And he, and he gave you an imagination. And then he makes a statement, what do you want? Not what do I want. What do you want? And we have been afraid to go there. We've been afraid that somebody would accuse us of not being spiritual. Spiritual. Being greedy or covetous. But you can't deny what you just read. I say, Jesus, what things you desire. And he put no lid on it. What do you want? That's a powerful statement. Because after a while, when you stay around church long enough. You stop wanting anything other than just to make it through the week. And that's killing Christians. Yeah. Children, that's why Jesus said you've got to be like a child. I want to read another scripture to you. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you <laughs> the desires of your heart. What is covetousness? Matthew 6. Go there. What is covetousness? Let's talk about it a minute because if I start preaching like this, someone is going to sit back and say, yeah, but you know what Jesus said about money. What did he say about money? What did he say? Let's talk about what he said and let's talk about what he didn't say. Matthew 6, 19. Let's read it. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moths and rust destroy and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither, moss, where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be. Then verse 24 says, you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. Be loyal to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. What's he talking about? He's talking about serving money. He, he's not talking about having money. One more time. He's not talking about having money. He's talking about serving money. There's nothing wrong with having money. What's wrong is that money is a poor God and it will not get you everything that you want. There's things that you can't get with money. Only God can do it. So the definition of prosperity is this. To have a full supply of what? whatever it's not just about money and money's a part of it but having everything you need and enough left over to bless other people around you that's the definition of prosperity if not, if that's not true tell me then pray tell why God put the wealth in this earth if it isn't for you who's it for why do you have beautiful sunsets? Why do you have gold? Why do we have diamonds? Why, why do we have stuff? And why is there this desire in you for nice things? Because you were made in the image of God. Then how then could that be wrong? Now where, where it's wrong is for you to start seeking things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all what? Things, junk, or nice—whatever you desire. Now we're going to talk in a minute about why that has been poo-pooed, and it has been. Um. <laughs> I'm going to read something to you I dug out of a Dr. Till Osborne book, and and it's it's amazing, and and I had to write it down. That's why it took up two or three pages. Till, I want you to listen to this. God believes in you, and he values you and esteems you so highly that he created you just a little lower than himself. Wow. And that amazing thought that he made man in his own image and likeness? Satan hates it. That you're made in the image of God. Then he decked your world with every conceivable treasure and beauty for your health, your happiness, success, and fulfillment. He created this fabulous world to be utilized by those who he created in his own image. It is generally accepted idea that humanity has sinned and therefore people must now pay. For their transgressions by physical suffering, deprivation, and in, indignities in, in of impoverishment. The Bible is also clear about the fruit of sin. But the good news is that God never quit on us, even when we blundered. Rather, He was so fond of us that He gave His Son to redeem us from sins by suffering our punishment in our, in, in our name so that we may be free forever of guilt, condemnation, and judgment. Must we continue to cower? And suffer and accept inferiority. And live in self-reproach. Then if we do. Then the death of Jesus Christ. Is of little benefit while you're on this earth. If you are to live in poverty. The death of Jesus is of no benefit. If you're to live sick. He died in vain. He didn't die. He didn't die. He died to restore you and I. Back to our original position as kings and priests in the earth. That's a powerful statement. Now listen to this. God deposited material wealth on this planet for the blessing and use of his children who do his will. That's what it's here for. Powerful statement. I want to read a few scriptures to you before I move on. Go to Psalm 8411. Pop it on the screen. I just want to to read it off the screen for you. 84:11 The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. What good thing? No good thing? Say no good thing. No. Is there a lid on that? There is no lid on it. You can't believe bigger than God can deliver. Wow. Let's look at another one. I'm gonna, you're, y'all are going to get so free, you're going to be running out here going, Whoa. you're going to want to buy a new truck too. <laughs> Philippians 1.6, pop it on the screen. Then we're going to Psalm 37.4. Being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not done with you yet. He's still got more and more and more and more. Psalms 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Look at Matthew 7, 7. Look at at Matthew 7, 7. I'm, I'm moving faster than, I'm moving pretty quick for her. But I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Why would he make a statement like this? Listen to what he's about to make. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. What limitation did he put on that? He didn't put one. You know where the problem has been? We've been afraid to desire. Desire a better life. As a matter of fact, if you don't desire it, you'll never have it. It is the precursor to your prayers. The Bible said, desire spiritual gifts. That literally means covet them, it's a drive. Now, I'm going to make a statement. It's going to sound like heresy. I will not live on this planet without the blessings of Abraham. How dare you make a statement? Because that's desire. I will have all he died to give me. Why did he do it? Why did he pay the price if I'm not supposed to have it? So he said to you and I, this is exactly the opposite of what you hear in standard church. Whatever the Lord wants, whatever, the, whatever God wants, there's a place for that prayer. But it's not in things. It's not in the house you have. It's not in the job you have. What do you want to do? What kind of an impact do you want to have on this world? If someone's going to be great, why not you? If someone's going to be the next governor, why not you? If someone's going to be the next mayor, why not you? If someone is going to be the best surgeon, why not you? You know where that's coming from? Because I want to stir in you what Jesus said. When you, when you go to God in prayer, you've got to walk in the throne room with some desires. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I've come in here and I'm going to talk to you about something you said. And this is what I want. And I'm telling you, you you said this. You ought not have said it. You said it. You're not bothering God. I'm going to tell you where I learned this. And this is going to be a cool story. When I was going to Ramah, I was listening to a cassette tape by Frederick Casey Price. And Fred Price was talking about the elevator he has in his house so he can go downstairs and pray. Well, when I heard him tell the story, it angered me. I got very angry. And I said this out loud. I'm in my car and I hollered, Lord, that's wrong, he can walk downstairs like anybody else. He should give that money to the poor. Who am I thinking of when I'm talking to God about poor? I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I don't care about poor. I just care about me. And I'm thinking about how much money he spent on that elevator and how much money I needed. And it upset me. And y'all have heard people say that and, and you, you maybe you've said it. But, he, but, but the Lord said to me, I mean, he, he, he thought I was talking to him since I hollered Lord. And so he answered me. He said, well, what do you think he should do with the money? I said, well, I told you he should give it to the poor. He said, he should be fair. I said, absolutely. He said, well, there are seven and a half billion people on the earth. And he should sell the elevator and divide the money up equally. I did the math in my head. Didn't take me but a minute because I'm a genius. I figured I probably would not even get a penny. So that idea really wouldn't work, since really what I'm concerned about is me anyway. So the Lord asked me a question. He said, Per adventure, Adam had not died of sin, he did not get in sin. Adam and Eve did never sin. Then nobody ever died. How many people would be on the planet? Right now, seven and a half billion. Fifty plus billion people. How would he feed them? We got poor people now. The world system is cursed. Satan lacks, not God. Satan's limited. God's not limited. Satan's children. Satan's world has taught y'all prosperity. Mm -hmm. That's where you got the mentality. You have a pie. See, what I'm preaching right now is driving this election. Somebody has my money. And I want it. So the Lord said to me, peradventure Adam had not died, how many people would be on the planet? I said, well, I don't know, but a lot. He said, "Um, peradventure they had not sinned, how would they be living? I said, probably well off. He said, absolutely. And then he made a statement to me, and I'm going to say it to you. He said, there is no such thing as lack. It doesn't exist. Take an apple tree. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The chicken. How do we know? Book of Genesis. If you know God, you know the answer to all their stupid questions. So which came first, the seed or the apple? The apple. So in an apple tree, or a bunch of them, how many apples are on that tree? Thousands. How many seeds are on that tree? Let's say per adventure you took just the apples that Adam had on his trees and you planted all the seeds. You would have billions of trees and chameleons and zillions of apples. You'd have so much applesauce that you could swim in it. And how long would those apples last? Forever. Forever. There's no such thing as shortage. So let me ask you another question: How much water was on the earth when Noah was here? Where is it? It didn't go anywhere. Where'd it go? It's still here. So is there a water shortage? There's no such thing as a water shortage. I mean, you can't put a tap on rock springs. God's got the. Now, if you ever see a tap on something, man made it, because if man made rock springs, he turned the valve off at night. But God don't. He just keeps pumping. He's dumping water because there's an alligator down there and he wants some. Come on, y'all. How much gas is in a star? How many stars are there? That's a lot of gas. Use your imagination. Come on, guys. I'm trying to help us. There is no such thing as lack. Let me share one more with you. Jesus busted that theory with 5,000 men on the side of a hill and they said they don't have enough to eat. And he said, you feed them. Did they lack? Now listen to me. In God, there is no such a thing as lack. So that means that if you have money, you don't have anybody else's. There's nobody stopping you. So anyway, he told me about pies. He he talked to me and he says, I'm going to show you the way the world thinks. Now now we got to do this pie thing right now. So I got some pumpkin pie left over. From, from Thanksgiving. Okay, I'm going to slice this into eight pieces, but I'm going to do something very uh, immoral. So y'all got to bear witness because I've got I've got to do this so y'all will understand. Okay, I'm going to give Josh Brown a piece of pie. Josh has one eighth of a piece of pie. And I know that O'Cell doesn't like pumpkin pie, so I ain't giving him nothing. <laughs> I'm going to give Gene Gant a piece of pumpkin pie. Now, only eight people are going to get pie because there's only one pie. Now, we're going to do one more thing, and I'm going to... I cut a huge piece <laughs> for me... And that means I'm going to take what's left, which is only a sliver, and I'm going to give it to you. Thank you. All right. This is the way the world thinks. If he has a sliver, it's because I took his pie. Because there's only so much pie. Right? Wrong. How many pumpkin seeds did God make? So you could plant pumpkin seeds and make one billion pumpkins or seven and a half billion pumpkins and everybody could have a pie. And you could plant those seeds and everybody would have ten pies. And you could plant those seeds and every person on the earth would have hundred pies a day. So, okay. Do you all see what I just did? Okay. This is the mentality that is keeping you down. Because if you're broke. There ain't in the world somebody has your money. Probably Trump. <laughs> and they need to unload it and give it to me. That's socialism. That's not God. That's Satan. Now I know I just messed up all the Democrats in the room. But it's okay. Because it's satanic. It is a satanic system. It's never worked in the earth. It didn't work in Russia. It didn't work in Cuba. It don't work. It's never worked. So if Josh Brown's son makes an A and my son makes an F, then he needs to give his A to my son and my son. So they both make a C, right? So why would his son study? Because he doesn't deserve an A. He needs to give it away. That's stupid, guy. That's just ass nine stupid. But this whole concept is because Satan's kingdom, this is how Satan runs his kingdom. But not God. So I'm going to show you something. Let's say. I've got to do this. That he takes his little piece of pie and he cuts it in half and he gives it away. Then the angel comes and brings him a whole piece. Who decided that? He decided that. All right. So. So let's say that Josh has a whole piece, and he gives his away, and so the angel comes and gives him four pieces. Well, what I'm trying to show you is this is the way God designed the kingdom. Are y'all getting this? So that day in the truck, the Lord said to me, he said, do you know what your problem is? He thinks I have a problem. Yes, sir.
1: <laughs>
0: he said, "You have no faith." Think about this one I just said for a minute. I don't need Fred Price's money. There is not a devil in hell that can stop the God from blessing me. So, so let's do another. Let's do another crazy idea right now. Let's pretend. Seven and a half billion people this morning in church get saved. Everybody in the earth this morning gets born again. Wait a second. Now they're all sons of God. Is the scripture, I will bless you coming in, I will bless you going out, true for everyone? So God's obligated to make seven and a half people Million billion people rich. Can he do it? See, absolutely. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. Now listen very carefully because this is... I'm going to hair lip Bear Creek right now bad. How can you justify having nice things while there's people on earth suffering? That... Is the question, "How can you have a jet when there's people in Africa going hungry?" It's quiet in this Baptist church, and we just got through proving that. Where I'm going to ask you a question, I don't want any of you to throw your pie at me. Where do you find in the Bible where he told you? To go feed the poor. Where did he tell you to build a hospital? Where did he tell you to take a medical doctor to Africa? It's not in your Bible. I'm going to make a statement to you and you're going to get mad at me. You are not God. He told you to go preach the gospel to him. Right now in Africa, the largest churches in the earth now are in Africa. Isn't it amazing that poor God was able to get the African people and now they have whole cities and they're wealthier than, all, than most Americans. The gospel in Africa changed the income of Africa without us. It's Listen, it was always supposed to be us preaching the gospel, bringing them back to God, teaching them they're redeemed from the curse of the law, and letting them and God get back in the garden and come out of poverty, sickness, and death. It was never the American's job to go over and to give them money. Amen. That's right. That's right. Oh, and I'm, uh, so if Mark Hankins has a jet, it's not stopping the people in India from being blessed. Let's go personal. You having a nice house is not keeping the people in Africa down. Amen. Don't apologize anymore for it. This concept has caused you to not desire you'll get criticized sure you will I'm gonna show you something how am I doing there's another pie left John 12 John 12 are y'all okay everybody breathe I'm fixing to show you something crazy are y'all ready because we're gonna go crazy today crazy good Now, I'm not talking about being covetous. I'm talking about using money right. I'm going to give you a scripture for that in a minute. I'm going to show you how to have money and use it right. I'm going to show you how to do it. Okay, in the meantime, let's go to John 12 and and I think verse 5. I'm going to start with verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, and he was raised from the dead, and they made him a supper. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him, and Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. That that pound of ointment was worth, in our economy today, $100,000. She poured it out on Jesus' feet. Now, we're thinking, well, sure, that's Jesus. Who are you? Why aren't you worth $100,000 perfume on your body? Oh, well now we're going to read the rest of this. I'm going, to show you, I'm going to show you the spirit behind this. Because many of you have said it. I've said it. And wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of that oil. And one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was not this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? What is that? That's poverty mentality. That's Satan's kingdom. And he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. So where is that spirit coming from? It isn't that you, listen, when, you're, when it bothers you that someone has something nice, it's because you're a crook. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. Get excited when someone else has something nice. God blessed you. Woo, y'all bless me too. Glory yes. to God. Glory Are y'all okay? Yes. Now, let's, let, me, let me make another statement to you. And, and if I hadn't made you mad now, I'm fixing to There's no anointing on the sheet rock in this building. The anointing's on me. Same spirit. How dare that preacher have a new truck? I want to know why I don't have two. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Come on, y'all. I'm going to tell you something. I'm I'm, I'm plowing the world sideways right now. Boy, I mean, it was Andrew Walmack said he ain't never been persecuted in life until he started prospering. Why? Why is that? Because the spirit of Antichrist wants to keep the money in, in Satan's kingdom. He don't want you to have any. So you dare not desire something nice. You might become covetous and immoral. Am I out there or did go home? So you don't desire anything. And that's what you get. Nothing. Just so come to church and my lot in life. Well, I am doing real good. The tithe is not for buildings. It's only for the man of God. And it's not your money anyway. If you kept it, you stole it. Well, what are you going to do with it? None of your business. I'm not taking up an offering right now. That's why I already took it up. I want you to get over this this whole concept that somehow or another that if you have some nice you owe someone. You don't owe anybody anything because God has blessed you.
1: Like
0: don't owe anybody anything because God blessed you. Right. That's right. If they want more, they can go to God and get it themselves. Give them a Bible and show them how to believe God and God will bless them. That's your job anyway. Just give them Jesus. They don't want Jesus. Well, they're under the curse of the law. That's why they're broke. Yes. I told M- Maybell, this is what South Popka needs. They don't need money. They need Jesus. <gasps> well, it's quiet in there are y'all doing good yes. Proverbs eleven twenty four. put it on the screen we're going to go to another one in a second are y'all getting this yes. say whatever I, whatever I desire he put no lid on it <laughs> wow there is one who scatters yet increases. And there is one who withholds more than is right and it leads to poverty. God's kingdom does not operate the way Satan's kingdom does. The Satan hoards. You're not allowed to. Now go to 2 Corinthians and let's talk about the kingdom of God. And I'm going to ask you a question. It is a very deep Theological question, and I don't want you to get it wrong. 2 Corinthians 9 6. This I say, he who, spe- who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let each one of you give as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or necessity. God loves a cheerful giver. God is able. To make all grace abound to you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So why did God give Josh Brown three pieces of pie knowing that he only needed one? Well, the other two must be for someone else. This is the way his kingdom operates. It's the way Jesus operates. Now I'm going to ask you a question. How did I get that scripture in your Bible? Here's what I did. Just like Santa Claus, one Christmas Eve, I went all through the world and I took all the Bibles and I went down your chimney and I wrote that scripture in your Bible so that I could preach it Sunday morning. Did I put it in there? Now, let me make another statement to you. Let's pretend for a minute that I am crooked. I am after your money. Does that change what God wrote to you? Wow. Why that preacher is preaching that? Because he's after your money. Well, let's say he did. It was. Would God honor it if you obeyed the scripture? Sure he would. So whether someone's covetous or not, that's none of your business either.
1: Don't
0: shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Let's come on. Let's let's get back to some reality here. Because it's amazing to me. You start talking about money in church and people bow up. Now I'm going to tell you something. When Lisa and I started running around with Mark Hankins. It was difficult to watch him hand a waitress 50 bucks, knowing I just poured out my savings account into his, and I can't even hardly afford this meal, and he just gave $50 of my money to somebody. You start bothering you. You start watching the way these guys live their life, and they stay in nice hotels. After a while, you're going, maybe there's a reason he has money. He is one of the most benevolent people I have ever met. We were down at Kissimmee and the children came in. He gave all of them 40 bucks. And they went, wow, he's sowing seeds for them to listen to the word. What do you think Jesus was doing on that mountain, giving away healing? God is benevolent. If you're going to live for God, you're going to become benevolent. But there's no lack. There's no, there's no. You're running, worried about running out of water and you live next to the ocean. Don't worry about it. Are y'all getting this? Now, if you come back and read this scripture, and we're going to get into this some more. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He's, he's telling you, you're the one that's deciding it. Not, God is not deciding your income. So I'm going to make another statement to you right now. Just listen to me. The most elementary act of faith you'll ever do in in the presence of God is to tithe. Why does God put that in the Bible? Because he wants to see whether you're going to trust him or not. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So every test that he gives you is going to be a faith test. Oh, God, I need money. Okay. How much money you have? I have a hundred bucks. Tithe. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are y'all out there? You know how I know that? I did that. I did that. I did that. I did that to God. He said, I guess you think I lied. I said, I didn't call you a liar. He said, yes, you did. was when I, that's after I got a job and making $125 a week. My tithe had gone from $8.30 to $12.50. I told God I'm broke. He said, I guess you think I lied. I said, I didn't call you a liar. He said, yes, you did. Now, now let's do the math. If you make $83 a week and you don't have a job, now you have one. It's costing you money to get there. Now I'm tithing, which is less money, and they're taking out income tax. So I'm basically at the same place I was. I ain't really made any money. I got a job and I'm still just as broke as I was when I was. So now this is my gripe. So I'm in a truck, loading a truck, because that's my skill level. I make $3.11 an hour. I said, God, I need money. He says, give more. And I said, you are crazy. (laughs) You can get away with that when you first get saved. Don't do it later. (laughs) And he said to me, so you think I lied. I said, I didn't call you a liar. He said, yeah, you did." I said, are you challenging me? He said, I am. He said, fire your biggest shot, buddy. I said, you just drew a line in the dirt with a Georgia redneck and asked me to step over it. You're picking a fight with me. He said, I am. The next week I gave five extra dollars. It won't sound like much now. When you make $3.11 an hour, that's almost two hours of money. When you don't have any money, that's a lot of money. That week I made 50 bucks extra. I thought, that's an accident. (laughs) I'm going to shorten this. In a year, I was out of debt. God is not going to operate with you apart from his system. Are y'all getting this? There's no limit to what he can do, except your imagination, whatever you desire. There's something about Christians. Something happened to me when I got saved. I got tired of driving junk. I didn't do any good. I'm gonna come over here. Anybody else? Am I the only one in here? I'm so tired of having to jump a car off, having an extra gas can in the back, and carrying my tools so I can get home. That's the way it was my whole life as a sinner. I don't want to do it anymore. Am I wrong? Is there anything wrong with me going to the hospital in a suit and not having to change a tire on the way home? Isn't that wrong? No. No. You and I, y'all can't handle this. He has made you kings and priests. What do kings look like? They look good. They look good. Say, I'm about to start looking good. Do you guys know what polar fleece is made out of? Polyester. Polyester. Do you know what cheap suits are made out of? Do you think I want to preach in polar fleece? Come on, y'all, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You start talking about money and people going, oh, don't do it. Say, I think he's doing real good. I got, I got the picture of my truck and I put it on the wall in there And, and, and in justification, I don't need to, but I will. You ought to have seen Mark Hankins trying to get into my Tacoma. It looked, like a, it looked like a sardine trying to cram it back in a sardine can. It was so funny. And then Lisa and Trent are in the back seat and the seats are backed up. And, and he said something kind. <laughs> you need a bigger truck. <laughs> and I said, I'm believing God. And he looked at me and said, go buy it. And I knew it was God. That's a poverty mentality. Just go buy it. Are y'all okay? Wow. You can ask my wife and she'll tell you what I'm going to say to you is true. I hate junk. All the stuff I buy is expensive. And she'll go, amen. I like nice stuff, but I think it's God in me. Is it God in you? Is it wrong for you to, to desire a better life? No, not at all. It's wrong for him to have paid what he paid and for you to be poor. It's wrong. You need to have so much money that you have money to give away. And that's what he said. Let me read it to you and I'm going to try to close. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, contrary to what everybody else does. That you have an all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for not one good work. Every good work. That means you ought to have enough money that every time we bring in another guest speaker, you beg, I'll write him a check. Are y'all out there? Nicole? Break that poverty. Yes, I want you to go out and find the house you want, and get a picture of it, and put it on your cupboard, Amen. and I want it to be nice. Amen. You start calling the money in. We're gonna one Sunday, maybe next. I'm not sure. We're gonna talk about using authority because the wealth on this earth is yours. How do you get it to you? There's a right way and a wrong way to get it. Until you break too nice out of your head, you'll never go there.
1: Mm,
0: now, let me make another statement to you because I need to close. And Just listen to me. Don't ever criticize another man for having money. You just, criti- you just stopped your finances. Because what you said with your mouth is if that's wrong your faith will never let you prosper you're criticizing people for wealth is killing you because if you call it wrong you're the one that's going to that's going to end up getting hurt by it that other guy's going to go on having money and he ain't going to care what you think Boy, it's quiet in here. Isn't this good? Say, my best days. days. They're ahead of me. You're not going to get over this quickly. It took me a while to break poverty mentality. I won't tell you that I'm totally there. Little by little, I have taken this thing and shoved it down Satan's throat. At first, I couldn't handle the persecution of people in the church criticizing me for having money because the biggest problem I had prospering was, was the people in the church. Lisa had a horse one time and church member came over and said, what's it cost to feed this horse? And I was not as mature as I am now. And I said, with grace, none of your business, your tithe's not feeding my horse. Right. Y'all, y'all see this? Somehow or another, you think you have bought and paid for a preacher. I work for God. I don't even work for you. He, I work for him. He sets my income. And that is none of your business. Your income is nobody's business. I'm gonna tell one more story. And you'll know who I'm talking about if you use your imagination, but I'm not gonna name names. (laughs) There was a preacher in town in Orlando that put together the Disney deal. Y'all know who I'm talking about. That made him a lot of money. So a large church in Orlando hired him and he didn't even take a paycheck because he was wealthy. And he got a nice car And the church criticized him and made him sell it. He didn't even make the money from them. I wished I had been that preacher. You say, well, they would fire him. They weren't paying him anyway. (laughs) Are y'all out there? Isn't it amazing when it comes to money? And I'm going to tell you why. As long as Satan has it, he can run the media, and he can win elections, and he can run the earth as long as he has the money. But by God, don't you ever get any. Now, let me make a statement. You better get your hands on some. Because the kingdom needs you to quit being broke. (laughs) That's good preaching right there. Are you tired of getting are you tired of being broke? Anybody in here tired of being broke? Tired of where you are? You say, well, wait a minute, I have enough. Well, good. Let's let's start seeing your giving then. I think I did a good job this morning, don't you? There is no pie. There's no pie. Jesus broke that thing with with the boy's lunch. He busted that pie theory all to pieces. You want more? You do what he told you to do. And when he starts blessing you, you're going to get persecuted. But just be kind. Don't do what I did. Just be kind and say, well. And then tell them how you got it. I'm going to tell you one more story real quick. Because I have the Mic. You know, all the hotels on I-Drive, I was part of the construction crew that built them. I laid block. I was a block mason. I made $11 an hour, but I was also a youth pastor and I tithed. And I went out in 1986 and brought me a brand spanking new Toyota four-wheel drive. The little extra cab that was about eight inches, you know, just you could th- throw a suitcase in the back, but it was new. It cost me $9,800. God blessed me. You know, you would know if you knew I didn't make any more money, and they did. And I drove that truck up on the construction site, and you got to understand, it's the only new truck on the construction site. Everything else is a piece of junk. And it, I mean, all the men, where'd you get that money? You running drugs? We know what you're doing down in Bahamas. You running drugs. I said, no, I'm tithing. How did I buy a new truck Making the same amount of money as another guy who can't afford one. I don't know. I don't have any idea. I don't know that. Are you all out there? When it came to time to get a house, a real estate agent took me through a neighborhood. Junkiest looking neighborhood you ever saw. And I told her, I says, I'm not living here. She said, Mr. Morgan, you cannot afford anything else. (laughs) I said, excuse me. I said, I want to see that house over there. She said, you cannot afford that. I have your income right here in front of me. I said, you don't have a Bible in front of you? (laughs) I said, I'm going to get that house right over there. She said, you will never get that house. I said, I'm going to have it next week. I want that house over there. So? The house was Christian way, chain. We came out of that junky neighborhood and pulled into a beautiful big house. And I went to the real estate agent and asked him what it cost. It was way more than I could afford. I went home, prayed. I said, Lord, I want that house in Jesus' name. He said, why don't you go ask Tom to, to, to rent it for a youth place? I said, that's a good idea. So I went to Tom and I said, you don't pay me. Rent that house for me. And he did. Yeah. This is a God idea. Yeah. And so now I live in a nice house and the real estate agent got <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you desire. I desire. Right. When I pray. Yeah. Say it with me. Whatever. whatever. I desire, I desire. When, I when I pray. Y'all are starting to get happy. Y'all to see your faces. Yes. Whatever, Whatever. I, desire. I desire when I pray. Some of you women have already got nice dresses on and nobody can see it. Yeah. Earrings in your ears. Ain't nobody seen but you. Some of you men got you a new pickup truck just now. You just went, whoa! I told Justin this. Go out, go out to the dealership and get you a picture of it. Put it on your mirror and write Mark 1124 on it and say, that's my truck. Every time you walk by, go, that's my truck, that's my truck. How's it coming? Don't worry about it. Do it with a house. Do it, I mean, listen, listen. This, I, I just gave y'all a principle. Crazy. But it works. All right. I'm gonna give you the last one. You ugly men do not have to marry ugly women. At least I got you laughing. You don't have to have second best. Who told you you had to have Joe nothing? Lisa told someone, I'm going to close with this, I really am. When she was a young girl, she says, I'm marrying someone like Kenneth Copeland. And the guy that she went out with said, you are not getting Kenneth Copeland. She said, "Yes, I am. I will marry a man of God. Is what I'm marrying, and that's what I desire." And, and the guy criticized her and made fun of her. And it doesn't have to. It, someone says, "Well, where is she?" No, well, he needs is one. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you don't need three or four. You just need one. In in this fun, yes. when you when you learn to live this way, life becomes so exciting because you. Last week we talked about Paul Yonggi Cho and getting pregnant with a bicycle. It's so much fun to live by faith and to, and to desire and to pray over what you want and watch God do the impossible. Amen. Let's clarify. Father God, I have I have taken the message I believe You gave me. And I have delivered it to the absolute best of my ability. I've made it as plain and simple as I could make it. You desire us to have a good life. There's people sitting in this room right now. They don't have a good life. but it doesn't have to stay that way. Whatever it is that they desire, they can go in the throne room and get that changed. I asked, Father, that they would hear the word of God and it would become real to them. And they would leave here today with with a hope. I don't have to live this way anymore. I I can go to God. I'm not waiting on people. I can go to God. Whatever it is I want, give me the desires of my heart. I want to tell you one more story, may I? When Lisa and I were in Arizona, I was preaching to a church of about 300 people on a Wednesday night. And I had a word of knowledge, and I said, baby, baby. And a girl jumped up and started screaming, I want a baby. I want a baby. And I said, well, do you have a husband? And she started screaming, yes. She ran through the crowd grabbed him and ran up to me. And Lisa and I laid hands on her, and nine months later, she delivered a baby. The doctor had told her she was barren. I don't care what the doctor told you. Broke. I don't care what the banker told you. I don't care what I don't care what he said. Listen to me. Uh, Don't don't worry about what they said to you. Don't worry about what have I said to you. Jesus said, "What do you desire?" Powerful statement. It'll change your life just to get your imagination back hooked up full of hope. You got this? Oh, by the way, there's a pie left. I should give it to Rosa to sell, right?
1: God bless all 'all.
0: y'all. Y'all have a good day.
1: Praise the Lord, yes. Miss Rosa will be selling chicken and beef tacos after the service. Amen. I was believing God for a my first baby to be a boy and everybody even my mother who was who was really had grabbed hold of the faith message said you can't believe that it's a 50-50 chance and it may not be what God wants I'm like but it is what I want so I found that verse in Psalms 45 or 145 says he opens his hand 145 he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing, I want a boy. You know, to me, it's not for everybody. In the, in the Jewish, in the old covenant, it was a blessing for a boy to open the womb. For a male child to open the womb. Have all that come after females, males. But it was a blessing for the male child to open the womb. And that's just what I wanted. And so everyone said, no, you cannot have that. You cannot say that. You cannot tell God. I mean, everyone was against me. Even at, even at work, of course, work, I'm working with people that don't know God. And they threw me a shower, and I told them what to buy. You need to buy blue because I'm having a boy. You cannot. They threw me a surprise shower, and every one of them bought me yellow and green. No pink, no blue. Let's just go down the middle of the road. She thinks she's going to have a boy, which she doesn't have the right, so we'll all be safe And I didn't get one blue thing. I got yellow and green. Well, Joshua wore a lot of yellow and green. (laughs) But Josh was born on April Fool's Day. And my husband had told my mother, because he felt like she should know better. He told her, "If, if I don't have, she says, what will happen if you have a girl? He said, I'm sending them back. I'm sending her back, is what he said. I'm sending her back. He said, oh, Daryl, you can't do that. That's God's will. He called her on April Fool's Day at 9.45 in the morning. He said, Martha? She said, yes, Daryl. He says, she says, what'd you have? He says, we had a girl. She says, oh, no. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. She went on and on. I could hear her on the line. She's, and, and oh, I'm falling. And she said, oh, no. And he said, April Fool's had a boy amen it's whatever you desire thank you for listening to this powerful message by pastor daryl morgan we hope it blesses you if you would like more info on word of life sermons and free downloads please go to word of thank you and have a blessed day